0: Welcome to the Not Old Yet Podcast, where we explore the subject of aging from a fresh new perspective. Each week, you will learn how to look, feel, and be youthful, no matter your age or stage of life. Tune in each episode to hear words of wisdom, stories of hope, and keeping it real advice from your host, Elizabeth Vanderveer. We got a beautiful story.
1: everyone, I'm Elizabeth, your host of Not Old Yet Global, and I'm here today with my dear friend, Cindy Taylor. Hi, Cindy. Hello. Hi, thanks for being here. Thank you. We're going to talk today about practical advice, and this is just girlfriend advice about how to kind of keep your head together and daily practices that really add up over time. This is not meant to be medical advice, and it's not meant to send you into any kind of extreme routine. It's just about little things that really make a difference in our day-to-day existence. A lot of people have said, this is a temporary human experience that we're having here right now, and a lot of us get into just rote, we don't think, we just grab for the food that's Really easy. We sacrifice sleep. We grab supplements that we don't really think twice about. Maybe it was just recommended. I have a friend that actually at one point was taking 70 or so supplements oh. a day trying to be healthy and his liver nearly failed. So, you know, it's important to check in with yourself. We've talked about this a lot, Cindy. You and I talk about, you know, some of the stuff that you just got to do is boring, but it really adds to the day-to-day bricklaying of a foundation that's going to make you live longer, live happier. So we just have a few tips that I want to share with you. These are obviously from Dr. Google, and they're also our thoughts on it too. The first thing is sleep. And I've mentioned this before and I apologize. I haven't updated the statistics, but a large cosmetic company did a study on sleep and found that it's really important to your appearance that you get some good quality sleep on a regular basis. Now I was taught when I went through medical school that children are the only people that have a sleep bank. So we're all familiar with the kids that don't sleep, don't sleep, don't sleep, sacrifice, sacrifice, party, study, whatever they're doing. And then on the weekend, they get 12, 14 hours. I mean, for those of us that have raised kids, we're all familiar with that. But I've been told that that doesn't apply when you're an adult. You can't do the sleep bank, like kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself, sacrifice, 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 sleep, get a longer sleep on the weekend and have it restore your body the same way as when you're younger. So that day-to-day sleep, and the experts recommend about seven hours a day, is super important. But now we know it's important to just your appearance, not just dark circles, but how fast you age, wrinkling, how well you handle stresses, everything from pollution to traffic to everything. Sleep is when our bodies restore itself. And so it's Critical. You can kind of think of it as a daily hibernation. Think of what animals that hibernate, what they do. Well, this is our chance to regenerate and restore and good quality sleep without a lot of additions like alcohol, medications, and interruptions is important. What do you do for sleep, Cindy? What's your sleep hygiene, is what they call it?
0: Well, a couple of things. I really enjoy having the window cracked open a bit. I like fresh air coming in. I've also recently purchased, and this is just on me, so I'm not telling anybody to go out and do this, but I've purchased an air cleaner, an air freshener that I use in my home, and I move about every now and then. And it isn't so much that I can tell a difference but it, it's a very small hum, and that helps me with white noise. Mm-hmm. It, it's the constant sound. When I hit the sheets, I do some deep breathing. I am focused on the breathing, and it helps my mind clear itself of the stuck song or the day's routines or what I'm going to have to do tomorrow. So it, it helps me get into that relaxed state mm-hmm. much better. I also have a satin pillow, a satin pillowcase that I use. I sometimes will get in the habit of being a side sleeper, and I'm, I've tried to be more aware of sleeping more on my back because it's better for my skin. But those times that I do turn in the night and so forth, cotton pillowcases tend to pull on my skin and stretch it and push it, whereas the satin won't. And it's also kinder on the hair. I make sure that the pillow that I'm using is cleaned on a regular basis and so that it keeps its plumpness and it also supports my neck and my head better. I can't have a lot of weight as far as the blankets on me. It's just something that I've grown up with. But knowing all that ahead of time, I just hit the bed and I'm pretty much out.
1: The Counting and the other things that you're doing are different from meditation, which we're going to talk about separately. So that's a great idea is to do something mindful that's going to interrupt things when you go to bed. Another thing is always recommended that you keep a certain schedule, like you don't vary it widely if you can. Now, night shift workers don't have that luxury. You know, they may work three, four nights a week and then Two, three nights a week, they may be on the opposite schedule with their families or their loved ones, or maybe they just don't want to sleep during the day and work at night on their days off. That is particularly hard on the body. We know that from shift workers, we know that from ER people, physicians, et cetera. It leads to faster aging and higher burnout to have your circadian rhythms interrupted. So We're not really talking about that segment of people that have to work at night and have their sleep cycles interrupted. Whatever you're doing, try to make a consistent pattern and have a routine that's similar. It might be a cup of tea. It might be, like you said, uh, counting. Might be a special pillow. Might be turn on the white noise. I don't know the implication to this, but often I wear my headphones and listen to nighttime like. Music not pop or rock or anything, but more of the meditative music and that helps me to go to sleep But seven hours is what is recommended on a regular basis for adults We know that as we age our sleep needs do change a lot of times people as they age into their 70s 80s and 90s they need less sleep or they have middle-of-the-night awakening or early awakening But right now we're really talking about what's one of the best ways, let's just say you're, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, high functioning, gotta get to work. Get your sleep hygiene in order and really try to get off the medications. I know a lot of people that are on the medications for sleep and your body becomes habituated. You need to take a drug holiday. It takes a couple of days to get your sleep back, but then you'll reset and you'll no longer need that assistance because one pill can turn to two pills, can turn to a vicious cycle. So any kind of regular medication for sleep is gonna have some level of withdrawal and everything from my experience. And then if you go to the pharmacy to get anything pretty much for PM, it's gonna be diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl. And it's not that it's bad, it's just you need to know that you're taking an antihistamine that has a sedating effect but I know a ton of people that just get hooked on that and they just take it no matter what and don't think about it, but it does impact the brain's waves and your sleep depth. So supplements, this is something that we're not giving medical advice, but do you take any supplements? I've pared it down to a few that I think are really important for me, but what do you like as far as supplements? Like I shared, you can definitely go overboard on the supplements and it's one of the fastest way to drain your wallet is those supplements so what do you take and what do you like
0: um i take a women's multiple for 50 and over and that helps with bone density and a few other things like that i also take a calcium and i take a vitamin c i do see once a year my eye specialist And I still have a really good vision, so knock on wood on that one. But because our eyes tend to dry out a little bit, he has recommended that I start taking omega-3, which is fish oil, Mm -hmm. and that helps the eyes and so forth. So I do take one of those every day, and that's it.
1: That's great. I take different ones entirely. I take zinc, And I take turmeric for inflammation, vitamin D, which really isn't a vitamin. It's a hormone. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think the thing with supplements is just learn what works for you. A multi is a great idea. Uh, Most of us don't need a massive amount of supplements to be healthy, Vitamin D, like I said, which really isn't a vitamin, it's a hormone, is super important, especially in areas of the country where there isn't a lot of sun because sun makes vitamin D. Yeah, I I would say supplements are just so faddish and you can spend so much money. That takes us right into the next topic, which is food. So a lot of people believe that you can get the vast majority of your nutrition and uh, supplement needs through food. I think that's pretty hard if you eat the typical American diet. What do you do for food and how has it changed over the years? I mean, I definitely thought I could eat anything when I was younger. I mean, I knew that I would gain weight, but I didn't know that as we age, we actually can't process carbohydrates as well, especially as women. But as we age, our body doesn't allow us to do that as well. What do you do at your age in your mid 60s to stay so fit and thin? Are you always thin or have you ever had a weight problem? I've had a weight problem. I've been up and down and I have the biology and the genetics that that's always going to be a struggle. What do you do to stay? Like you said, if you can wear your jeans from high school you're in good shape, you know that's a good thing, but what a lot of people don't realize is even if you're the same weight as you were in high school, if it's been decades, the balance of bone weight and muscle weight and fat weight has completely changed so I'm back to my high school weight and eating very different than I have most of my life, but genes don't fit the same same way because the muscles Are different, the fat's different, and the bones are lighter. So I may weigh the same, but it's not the same body, and it doesn't need the same nutrition, or it requires better, different nutrition than when we were younger, I think. Right. What do you do?
0: Well, for diet, I was always, even as a child, more plant-based, and I loved poultry. I did not like red meat. It was just something that as a child, I just could not do. It was very difficult for me to digest. And I had a a very progressive GP back then because at about eight or nine years old, my mother took me there. And my dad, preface all of this, used to call me Bird Lake affectionately. And because you were so skinny. Yeah. But she took during my, you know, general physical. And she says, well, she won't eat red meat. And he says, does she eat vegetables? Oh, yes. Fruits. Yes. Dairy. They were big on dairy back then. Yes, yes, yes. All of this. And she does like poultry. And he says, she's healthy. Get off her back. She's fine. And as I grew into my adulthood, that didn't change at all. The difference was, was that I brought in seafood into my life and as you know a child with my parents you know raising several children seafood back then was costly and if you didn't live near water you didn't get good seafood but i do eat a lot of fish i do live in oregon where uh, the salmon and the steelhead are plentiful and uh, i enjoy that so mostly i'll have a salad every time I don't eat carbohydrates, mostly because I don't like the sluggish feeling that it leaves. For me, personally,
1: I feel bogged down. What do you avoid when you say, I don't eat carbs? Because a lot of people don't understand what that means, and we should dive into carbs a little bit. But what does that look like for you? I avoid most
0: pastas, heavy breads, and rice i don't eat like white rice anymore i will have a like really good steel cut oatmeal and i think it's healthy it makes me feel good especially in the winter and i do have bread from time to time and it's the thin slice and its whole grain it apes killer bread which is made up here but i think it's fairly universal these days And it's 60 calories a slice and maybe three, four times out of the week, I'll pop it in the toaster and then I'll smear a little bit of avocado on it and have a cup of tea. But as far as any other carbs, no, not so much. It's just, I'm not even drawn to it. I don't miss it. I've gone without it for a long period of time. And I just feel more energetic when I don't have much of it in my diet.
1: Well, I had my son over for dinner the other night. He's 24 and very fit. And I made an assumption, I was cooking dinner, that he would want a carb. So I was going to make rice or potatoes. I had both in the house and not for me. And he goes, no, mom, I'm not doing carbs anymore. And I was like, a young, healthy guy not doing carbs. But sure enough, which is how I eat most of the time, we just made our dinner and Left that part out. No potatoes, no rice, had two vegetables and the meat, and it was incredible. And if you get into the habit, you just don't even miss it. I think the hardest part, Cindy, is when you eat out. It's everywhere. I literally went out to eat the other day and went to a burger restaurant. And of course, I said I wasn't going to eat the bun, but I ordered it with the bun and I ate one half of the bun. And then I paid for it later with bloating and gain and feeling just gross after the meal. You don't have to do that. But it's so easy to eat the carbs when you're out at a restaurant. It's much easier to get rid of them when you're at home. Another thing that we've mentioned before is the volume. So as you age, you just cannot eat the volume of food that you did when you were younger and get away with it. The pounds just pack on. And somehow it's so much easier to get them on than get them off. Every time I gained (laughs) weight, for the most part, I had a really good time getting fat. I mean, (laughs) I ate great food, great wine. Hell, man, I had so much fun getting fat. But then when you're fat, it's not fun. So finding a way to get right with your food is important. Fruit is another big thing to eat fruit, but monitor it and keep it in check. Fructosamine, which is the sugar from fruit, has some interesting implications in the body. So most doctors that I follow, and I follow quite a few, Mark Hyman, Peter Atia, Perlmutter, David Perlmutter, Lustig, David Lustig, these are pioneers in the field of nutrition and They all say that you have to watch fruit and they mostly recommend berries. Mm. I do do frozen blueberries. That's my treat. That's my dessert. I put them in, you know, a big, huge thing from Trader Joe's. I put them in the freezer and every single day for dessert. That's my plus the CBD chocolate. (laughs) But frozen blueberries are my little treat. Other food advice. I don't think it's enough to just change carb for whole grain you know, for the most part. If you have a problem with grains and a problem with carbs, whole grains and whole carbs are not going to be much better. You have to watch it. You're obviously very thin and have good metabolism. Any other food things? I do still drink coffee. You drink tea. Mm -hmm. You're not a coffee drinker, never was?
0: No, no.
1: Gosh, you know, I really think we need to drill down on this coffee tea thing at some point, not just us, but the world. Like, is it healthy? Is it okay? I crave it. I'm addicted to coffee. I tried tea just a few months ago and I made it for a few months and God dang it. I don't even know how coffee got back in. It's so insidious. It's like, and now I can't wake up in the morning without that dang cup of coffee. Do you do tea every morning? Every morning. And I do it in the evening. Decaf or?
0: I have herbal tea, white tea and green tea. Some of the green tea has an awful lot of caffeine in it, just like black tea does, Yeah. but the white teas don't, and the peppermint teas don't, yep. and I find it very soothing, and as a ritual, it helps wrap up my day and prepares me for bedtime. If I have a cup of peppermint tea or jasmine pearl tea or something like that, I am also huge fan of chai lattes, Mm. but I won't get them at Starbucks or coffee people or any of the other places because there's over a thousand calories in one.
1: Whoa! I know, I can't do that. A thousand calories in a chai tea latte? Holy crap, that's amazing. Well, one of the things that you do need to look at is caffeine in your drinks, and I was just talking to a friend of mine literally yesterday who was saying that he has trouble sleeping. And I just was like, well, what are you drinking at night? And he's like, oh, Mountain Dew and oh, these other things that he's addicted to and hadn't even thought about, you know, 6 p.m. Mountain Dew is going to give you, I think, 100 milligrams of caffeine or something. And that's definitely going to keep you up. So Start replacing your drinks and ideally don't drink the colas if you can avoid it, but start replacing your drinks with caffeine-free drinks by at least three, I would say, if you're typical trying to sleep at 10 or 11. Those things make a difference. Coffee too, even decaf coffee, if you go out to dinner and have a decaf, that has 3% caffeine. That could be enough to ruin your sleep. My Favorite, least favorite actually, is going out and having something with decaf coffee and chocolate. It always tastes so good, especially after a really nice meal, but then I'm up all night. Why did I do that? You know, chocolate too has caffeine in it. So you have to be careful. Exercise and getting out in nature. So I've said this before, I'm not a big fan of exercise. I've always wanted to be one of those people that does it for the endorphins that knows that feeling that you get that craves it. I'm finally there at almost 54. I finally found something that is making me want to go do it. But you've been a lifelong exerciser and also you practice exercise how often? I now do it daily, at least once a day for at least a half an hour. And it's now at the point where I crave it, but it took... 53 and 11 twelfths years to get there, Cindy. So, and it's not Herculean. I have friends that are at the gym hours a day at my age and older. That's not me. I had Mm. to find something modest that would be considered healthy. If I went and told my physician about it, they'd be like, yay, you're doing something good for you. But it's not rock climbing. It's not you know, doing any of these sexy things. It's walking in my neighborhood, walking fast, getting my heart rate up, getting sweaty, you know, doing the usual stuff, but it's not glamorous. What do you do for exercise and getting, and obviously I'm doing it outdoors. I'm not on a treadmill. I look at those gyms and they give me hives. So I run from them.
0: So every morning I do yoga, about 20 minutes or so, and I start with meditation and I end with shavasana, which is a type of meditation, but in a prone position where your mind goes on a journey. And so what I'm doing is warming up my body for the rest of the day. I'm working on the strength and the balance and the ease and the stretch of all of it. And once I've gone through that routine, that's over. And usually this time of year, I'm doing it on my balcony. It's in the shade. I'm surrounded with mature trees. And I really enjoy that it helps me wake up mentally and physically. And it helps me get good oxygen down into my lungs. And then I go inside and make my tea.
1: Question. You're a lifelong yoga practitioner. What if yes. I'm new to it and I want to do something like that? Stretching, a few poses, a little meditation. Is there anything online that you know of or an app someone could? Tons. Tons. Yes. yes. Lots. That mindfulness lots. first thing in the morning is really important. I love that idea. I do a gratitude journal so that my morning routine, the minute I wake up, coffee. <laughs> I go for the coffee. Then I sit down with my gratitude journal. I write it every single day. And I'm not going to lie, there's some days that I say, I'm glad that I have coffee and a pen and a paper. Like there are days you can't find anything fabulous to be grateful for. The weight of the world's coming down on you. It's not going in the way you want it to. Whatever. of? So do the gratitude journal. Then I do the walk. And then I meditate when I get back from my walk while I'm cooling down. And I do transcendental meditation. We're going to talk about yours. So the first thing that we want to know about, though, is exercise. So is that your exercise in the morning, or do you do other exercise during the day, and when and how? Um,
0: It's not my exercise. If I've got a really busy day, there are some days where that is it. But if I'm at home or someplace where I can put on a decent pair of walking or hiking boots or shoes, then I'll get out and do that. That is a better form of exercise for me because I'm doing hills at the same time. I've got a longer stride and I'm pushing myself as far as the tempo. It clears my mind. I get out in nature, I'm getting circulation, I get my heart rate up, and I've done everywhere from maybe just half-hour walk to a six-mile hike. And I'm really blessed to have a lot of nature hiking trails in my close proximity. In fact, I just discovered a new one that just opened up a few days ago called Hidden Falls, which obviously no one knew it was there because they were hidden. Hmm. And it was lovely. And I've got Mount Talbert nearby, which I'm at about 30 feet in elevation, 30 to 40 feet in elevation, sea level. And the top of Mount Talbert is 700. And I'll hike that. There are seven different trails on it. And um, sometimes I do it by myself and sometimes I do it with friends.
1: So your exercise is mostly walking and hiking as well, like mine.
0: Right. And then there's also times where I will do, if I'm by myself, I will do sprint spurts and they say that if you can run vigorously for about 30 seconds and then just walk for a few minutes and then do another 30 second sprint that that's a really good thing for you as well so i've been doing that off and on for the last few years
1: yeah even if you can't run just walk a little faster and change your pace up that's the important part is getting different fast twitch muscles versus slow twitch and getting the muscles to be stressed a little bit more. If you can't get out for a half hour walk or you're just starting, our best advice is to just start somewhere. When I first started walking, I couldn't go as far or as fast as I am now. And it's okay. You know, you don't have to look fancy. You don't have to go to a fancy gym. Just start doing one block. Then the next day, do a little bit further or make it around that block a little faster. That's all it is. Your muscles will continue to obey and comply. And it's one of the fastest ways to keep your mentation, you know, really in good shape is to get that fresh air, get the breath going, get the blood pumping, try to not think about your problems while you're exercising. Meditation. So one of the things that has helped me change a lot of things in my life is my meditation. And I chose transcendental meditation to help with keeping me on the right path after undergoing the treatment for PTSD. You've been doing lifelong mindfulness meditation, correct? Yes. And that's a different type of meditation, but they're both equally, in my understanding and opinion, valuable in not only quieting the mind, but in actually helping you change your life. So how do you use meditation? I'll tell you mine. Transcendental meditation is a very specific practice of twice a day for 20 minutes. And there's a specific technique and you don't vary that. I've tried other meditations in the past where it could be once a day or it might be throughout the day whenever you wanted. What do you do? And what have you found works in this regard? Because I think meditation is intimidating for a lot of people. And as I've stated, when I first start transcendental meditation, it's a 20 minute segment. That first 10 minutes sometimes is just hell. Literally, my brain is exploding. I can't focus on anything. Visions and thoughts and worries and anxieties are coming through, like literally like fighter jets shoo, shoo, right through my brain. And I'm sitting there going, I'm going to give up. I'm going to give up. I'm going to get up. I'm going to go make a list of what to do. I'm going to go solve that problem. And then boom, At like the tenth, 10th, 10th minute, it starts to come in and it works. And then you get finally to the state of transcendence. What is your experience and how often do you do it? How do you do it? For how long do you do it? And what does it do for you? Oh,
0: I I have several different timeframes and methods that work for me and reasons why I would even do them. Obviously, the first is shortly after I wake up. and in a lotus position, as I'm stilling my mind, and preparing myself for a good yoga session. And that is concentrating on my breathing, breathing in through the nostrils, very slow and with intent, and filling not the chest cavity, but the abdomen. And then when I exhale, I exhale from the base of my abdomen up through the chest and out and it comes out the mouth and doing this enough times and listening to your breathing during this type of of meditation you need to be making the inhale and exhale sounds because that's part of getting you deeper into a meditative state this prepares myself for the yoga the shavasana which is done after the yoga session, is done in a prone position, lying down. Your eyes are closed, your body is still. And you go into a deeper state where your body is completely relaxed and your mind then allows you to go on this mental journey, if you will. And it's different every time. You can have a Zen-like sounds in the background that might help you get there or very soft chanting or meditative music in the background. Even the sound of nature will help me go there. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: that is sometimes a five-minute thing. Sometimes it's a 10-minute thing. But I am so completely relaxed at the end of that mentally and physically And at the same time, I'm energized. Now, when I hike, a lot of times I'll find an area, might be on a rock, might be on a hill on a patch of grass, maybe next to a creek, something like that. After I've gotten to the point of now it's time to turn around and go back home, I will find a spot and sit down and meditate. And what that does is it helps me commune with nature. It makes me one with nature. Mm -hmm. And it helps me feel invigorated and in touch with myself and my needs. I feel loving towards myself. I've given myself a gift. And that's usually a very short-term thing, a few minutes maybe, five max, And then I'm up, I do a few stretches, I turn around, and I return home. So those, as well as the type that I mentioned when we go to sleep with a white noise or something like that, it's very similar to shavasana. That helps quiet my mind where then I can easily go into sleep. So those are basically the four different types
1: of Relaxation that I do on a regular basis. That's great. They do recommend that you don't meditate in bed, at least with TM. That's not where you want to be doing it because you'll fall asleep almost always and you're supposed to stay awake for the 20 minutes. But you're right, you come out energized. They also recommend for TM that you don't do it right before bed because you do get such an energetic bolt. The way that I've been hearing about meditation is it allows you to quiet your mind so that other parts of your body can be liberated, if you will. Other energetic things, you're quieting the mind, the mind that ruminates, the mind that uh, rules us, the mind that causes stress, the mind that causes anger, fear, hostility, you name it. It also can cause love but you've got to calm that all down. you got to take it down to a dull roar and get out of that negative cycle of energy. So meditation allows another whole part of you to blossom basically, and it allows you to just think about nothing. And that nothingness is so restorative. It's almost like a sleep wave, almost. It's not deep sleep. But it's the next best thing as I understand it. And then sticking with it and just doing it. Like I said, after 10 minutes, I'm ready to give up almost every single day, twice a day. But then, boom, you know, it kicks in. And then just being disciplined enough to do these little habits, making the right choices when you have a choice of food to eat, practicing your meditation practice, Going to sleep on time and not watching that, you know, binge watching something or drinking that carbonated, caffeinated drink late, you know, things that are going to sabotage you. A lot of people are just shocked when they finally do an inventory of what they're eating and drinking. A really good way to get control of this if you're like the vast majority of people and you have a few pounds to lose or some health to improve is to be really honest and take a good inventory. How many hours a night are you sleeping? What supplements are you taking, if at all? Did you get your vitamin D level checked by your doctor and they told you to take D3 and you're not? You know, that's going to impact your life if your vitamin D levels are off. I'm just pointing out one thing, because we measure it, doctors measure it, and (laughs) a lot of people don't do anything about it because it's not a prescription most people don't get prescribed vitamin d at the pharmacy you have to go buy it there's a lot of those things that are not covered by insurance anymore but they are important especially uh, vitamin d and then finally i would say just have fun with the little things you know enjoy the little things i'm guilty of always pursuing the big goals But day to day happiness is not always made up of the big goals. It's made up of the small little things. And this goes along with the gratitude journal that I've found has changed my life, my daily life, by thinking of everything going right and then having fun. And that's what you and I talk about, Cindy, all the time. Have fun with fashion, have fun with whatever it is, just be a little playful. I think we've lost a lot of playfulness. In this world, you know, and taking ourselves so seriously and all this digital crap and all the stuff you have to keep up for appearances that we're all forgetting about real life. You know, how many times, well, you know, this social media is causing all of us to be stressed and anxious and depressed, (laughs) but then we're not even living our lives. We're taking pictures of our food. We're taking selfies and posting everything and trying to make it look like it's all so delicious and wonderful. Meanwhile, we're not having real fun. We're not enjoying our lives. What do you do to bring a little joy into your life?
0: This is going to sound kind of bizarre at first, but really when you think about it, it it's something that it's worked in my life, and as I share with others, they come back to say, gosh, you know, I used to do this, and I'm so glad I got back into it, and that is play. Find joy in playing. Playing, it can be with any, I mean, yes, we, when we think about playing, we're talking about playing with little children, but, you know, if you've taken taking a walk and some child has, with chalk, put out a uh, hopscotch do your walk and hopscotch through it. Enjoy life and break it down, and things don't have to be so serious. Play. Play with, play with so much. Play with your day. Play with your food. Play with, with your clothes. Play with your hair. You know, we don't have to take things so seriously. And Find some whimsy.
1: Reframe things. Like literally, I got together with a friend. And they had had someone cut them off in traffic. And that was a couple hours ago, and they were still ruminating about it and so mad and like so worked up. And I was like, whoa, this is just like when that person cuts you off in traffic, go, well, I guess you got to be somewhere faster than me. You know, like don't internalize it and take it in those emotions. They've got a whole new field of medicine now that's just. Burgeoning called epigenetics, which means moment by moment, day by day, we change our DNA and those things add up. Like de stress and pick your freaking battles. Not everything has to be taken on, like with a Herculean effort. And, you know, road rage is one of the most classic examples of giving too many F's there's a great book about that, which is we need to chill out and have a little fun. Enjoy yourself. I've gotten lately to just almost petting every dog that I see because they're just, you know, it brings me a little joy right now that it's really wonderful to see pets. I don't have one. I want one, but I can't fit it into my lifestyle right now. So I'm having fun with other people's pets, OPP, other people's pets, like other people's pools and other people's boats. (laughs) That's one of my favorite things is other people's things that are a lot of upkeep like pets. But my point is have fun every day, do something worthwhile. And if you can't find something worthwhile, fun, enjoyable, just put one foot in front of the other and don't do the destructive things. So I think that we get into this all or none mentality, which is if I can't have it all good, I'm going to just go to hell in a handbasket and I'm going to over consume. I'm going to overeat, over drink, over drug, over whatever. I'm not going to take responsibility because it's not working out the way I want it to. And I was just listening to a Jim Rohn video about what makes for a good life. And he was talking about how it's the little everyday things that you do to add something positive on the positive ledger. And if you're not feeling it, still do it. You just have to put one foot in front of the other, just like Winnie the Pooh, and it will all work out. But these are great tips, Cindy sleep, Get a good sleep, have good sleep hygiene, and don't wait for the weekends, no matter your age, unless you're like teenager. Take some supplements, talk to your doctor, and get some blood tests. Find out if you're deficient in anything. Choose your food wisely. You need less carbs as you age. Women in particular, you be really careful about the simple sugars and things like that. Drink more water. Drink
0: oh. more water.
1: Oh, great idea. I've heard, you know, drink your weight in ounces. I don't think that's necessarily true because some of us are super heavy and we don't need that much water. <laughs> but, you know, generally you want several glasses of clean, pure water a day. We are very lucky to have that. Get exercise, get out in nature, start a meditation practice of some sort. There's several kinds we've talked about, mindfulness and TM, transcendental meditation. And then finally, don't take yourself too seriously. And if you have a lot of people around you that take you too seriously, change it up. Get some new friends. Distance yourself. Get control of your own happiness. That's really what we're talking about. Any final comments, Cindy?
0: Smile more. Smile at yourself. Give yourself a hug inside and a smile inside. Just feel good.
1: Great point. I've been doing a lot of research on certain topics, and one of them is narcissism and gaslighting and For anyone that's watched some other podcasts, you know why that's my topic of interest, but loving yourself and doing what you said, like going on that walk or hike and then meditating afterwards and saying you know how much you care for yourself and you love yourself, that's not narcissism. That is self love, and that is going to take you to a very different place. Loving yourself and feeling good about yourself is healthy. There's nine million ways to take that away and to destabilize us and to make us behave and feel ways that we don't want. But these day to day little practices, honestly, even eating a better meal, if you have a choice between a junk food meal and a better meal, you're going to feel the rewards from that. It's that simple. It's that quick. That's what epigenetics is showing us is it's moment to moment in this body and every little change that you make. Yesterday, I'll finish with this, and I am so embarrassed I do not remember her name, but a woman I watched on a TED talk talked about 54321. I should just look it up right now so I can give her credit. But she's saying, anything that you have a decision point to make. Let's just say you're walking into the kitchen and you have a choice between the potato chips and nuts or potato chips and something healthier. I don't know what. Look at those potato chips and just go 5, 4, three, two, one, walk away. For some reason, she's found a method to her madness that helps reprogram the brain for you to make a better or different decision. I've tried it, I've started even in 24 hours, and I'm like, oh, it's a good tool. It's kind of like the rubber band on the wrist. It gets you to be mindful. And that's really what we're talking about. If you're mindful in these practices, not drinking Mountain Dew at six PM, looking at that Mountain Dew and going, Oh, that might impact my sleep labor later. I'm gonna choose seven up or something else if you still want that beverage. So any parting? Thoughts. i gave them just okay smart. my dear thank you so much for being here these are super ideas for improving day-to-day life we love the girlfriend advice we thank you cindy and for those of you that have watched us please uh, subscribe hit the like button and check us out at not old yet global we'll see you next time thanks cindy thank you bye-bye